Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Austin, also known as Teacup. And my name is Shelby, also known as SheCup. Join us as we embark on unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the Assassin's Creed universe. From Assassins to Templars to the mysterious Isu and more, we will seek to uncover it all. So join us and maybe even take a leap of faith. Hello and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. I am Shelby or Cup, also known as your host. And I'm here with Teacup. And what are we going to talk about today? Um, thanks, uh, SheCup. As she said, I am Austin or Teacup. So we've been talking about, we talked about a lot of things starting with the podcast. We talked about the Animus, the Assassins, at least their origins and where they are now and the same with the Templars. And so where we're going to go next is kind of a journey through like the lesser known history of the games. And so these are going to be major conflicts that happen around the world that I think have a huge bearing on where we get to the assassins in the present day, the assassin Templar conflict. And so we'll be kind of focusing in on these major conflicts, hopefully one from almost every major like continent of the world. Um, really looking for that and those major conflicts and how they shape and move the assassins. And I am really excited for like some of the lesser known history. You know, I think um, any casual fan is even aware of like the European history or the North American history, but, um, and maybe even hardcore fans are not quite as familiar with like the African history or, well, maybe African history with origins, but um, not the Asian history or the South American history and, and that kind of stuff. What do you think? I think that's definitely th- a good point. I think that, and there's a lot that happens between games that is hinted about that we don't necessarily experience forthright, but is a big moment for the games as we, and they're, as they're explored in the books and in comics and other places. Yeah, definitely. Well, what are we diving into today? All right, today we are traveling to the Far East. Um, 
for the Mongol conflict, the conflict with the Mongol Empire, which happens within the 13th century CE, which is the 1200s, if anyone is curious, the 1200s CE, um, dealing with the assassin, to particularly Altair's uh, Levantine Brotherhood and the Mongol Empire. Interesting. So that means we're going to Asia. That means we're mm-hmm. going north of China into Mongolia. Yes. I think when, you know, Americans think of Mongolia, I don't know if we have a lot of reference points, um, unless you're like a super his- history nerd. Um, I think most people are probably aware of like who Genghis Khan is, um, but maybe not that he was the emperor um, of Mongolia for, for a long time. And I, honestly, I think the only other like cultural pop culture reference we can think of when we think of Mongols um, would be like the Huns from Mulan. Um, but even that's a stretch. So I don't I don't know. What do you think? I think the Mongol, at least is from an empire, it's hard to really like pinpoint its history because especially in my education in the US, it's so very much overshadowed by the Chinese and Japanese yeah. histories that we learn. Um, and Korean history, which is not to say that those histories are not important. They absolutely absolutely are um but it's kind of more like when i was growing up with school maybe it's different now most we knew about the mongolian empire is genghis khan um was the emperor of mongolia and he has the most descendants of any known historical figure alive yeah yeah that's about it i mean there there are other things that we know like historians know but I don't know everything about Genghis Khan because I'm not a Genghis Khan historical expert so anyway let's get back to the Assassin's Creed (laughs) all right so around 1217 uh current or common era Altair who is now the mentor of the Levantine Brotherhood he recognizes the growing threat of the Mongol Empire And this is what his codex says about it. He says, a dark tide rises to the east, an army of such size and power that all land is made quick to worry. Their leader is a man named Temujin, who has adopted the title Genghis Khan. He sweeps across the lands, conquering and submissing all who stand in his way. Whatever his motives, he must be stopped. And one thing that Altair suspects of Genghis Khan is that he is using a piece of Eden to amass his power. That's interesting. Um, I guess we'll get into what Altair does about it later in the episode. But I guess I'm just wondering, like, how, how, number one, Altair knows about this if it's just like word of mouth and also like why does he suspect that he's using a piece of eden like does he have um does he have evidence for this or is it just a guess uh i think it's probably two reasons one the assassins have a larger network of spies than 
we would think possible at that time of history, I think a little bit, like they're everywhere. There are Mongolian assassins. Um, and so just being in contact with that and, you know, Genghis Khan was a, it is this thing, he sweeps across the land, conquering and dismissing. That's kind of how he was. He was moving across, conquering lands. And if I remember my history correct, the Mongols before kind of Genghis Khan organized them were a very nomadic people moving from place to place. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So I would assume that they came into contact with that and their own assassins in Mongolia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, tell me what else about, what else about this conflict? Well, so with a piece of Eden, there's also suspect that it's unclear when this actually happens, but at some point, the Templars infiltrate the court of Genghis Khan. Um, whether or not Genghis Khan becomes a part of the Templar order, my research was unclear. So if there's a hardcore fan out there who actually knows the answer to this, my research didn't say that if he was a Templar or not, or like ever ascended to the rank of joining them, but they definitely join his court and try to influence him. So that's another reason that Altair has to get involved is he knows the Templars are manipulating or at least involved in this movement of conquest. So Altair decides to leave Masiaf with his son, Darium, and his wife, Maria, um, to go assist the fledgling Mongolian Brotherhood uh, with the assistance of an assassin named Kulan Gal, which, that if that name sounds familiar, it should because he is one of the six assassin seals that we must find in Assassin's Creed 2 to unlock the armor of Altair. Yes, I remember that. Yes. Not from playing it, but from watching you play it. Yes. So, I'm getting there. Yes, this group goes into infiltrate Genghis Khan's camps and proposes a plan to assassinate the leader. Yes, to take them down and stop the Mongol horde. So in February of 1227, so they spend 10 years trying to figure this out. Um, Darium and Kulangal, they pursue Genghis Khan's son and Darium poisons that son, which is kind of a hit against them. In August of, 20, of 1227, Kulan joined Altair in attack on the Great Khan's camp in China. And they make a plan to infiltrate with Maria and Kulan and Darium providing support from afar. However, Altair is in his later years at this point, and he makes a slip up and is alert, alerts a Mongolian guard while trying to infiltrate. And though Kulan kills this guard before he can alert the camp and get everyone away, he does injure Altair, so Kulan is forced to retreat. And with that, they're all exposed and everything, and the Mongols are alarmed and raising the camp. And so in this chaos, Genghis Khan attempts to flee but his horse is shot down by Kulan 
and then followed by Darium, who killed him with another arrow. And that's really how they get Genghis Khan shot from his horse, which is interesting to me because in the game Assassin's Creed 2, it kind of hints that Kulan is uplifted as the assassin who took down Genghis Khan. Even though it was Darium. Even though Darium did the killing blow. That's interesting. Do you think, why do you think they kind of have that narrative? Well, I think that, and this is, I would have to dig a little more into the characters. Um, I don't own these comics, so I'm just going Mm -hmm. off a preliminary summary. But my guess is that in kind of Altair's later years, he becomes, he's very wise. And so if I had to guess, Altair let Kulan take the credit for assassinating Genghis Khan because it would give the Brotherhood more credibility in Mongolia. Mm. Yeah, that makes total sense. I also think this is interesting. Excuse me. I also think this is interesting because like the traditional narrative of Genghis Khan's life is that he did die and was injured um, with a bow and arrow and got knocked off his horse. Like that's the myth of how he actually died. Now we don't know for sure if that's actually how he died or if that's just you know, some like legendary myth meant to like make him larger than life. Um, but I, I think that's an interesting historical touch for sure. Right, right. Definitely. So like all Templar orders, it doesn't end with Genghis Khan's death. Of his, course it does. His children assume leadership of the Mo- Mongolian right of the Templar order and in the Mongol empire. Uh, and so... I'm forgive my pronunciation, but I'm going to try Monke Khan, uh, who is under Templar influence, ascends to leadership of the Mongol Empire. And as you can imagine, he's not very happy with the assassins. Yeah, and rightfully so. Right. They killed his father and, you know, kind of sent the empire into a moment of chaos. Right. And I mean, at this point, it's now a blood feud. Right. Like. And so to seek revenge for this, for the death of Genghis Khan, Monke sets out to destroy the Levantine Brotherhood. And so he then orders and oversees the destructions of the Assassin's Fortress in Almut and Masyaf, uh, su- successfully destroying both places. And with this, the De Templars believe that this branch of the assassins is done. It's over. Mm. They're gone forever. However, during the siege of Masyaf, Altair, kind of sensing the impending doom, entrusts his codex, which contains a lot of his information and his study of the Apple of Eden. Um, and so, and a lot of like knowledge about the assassins and everything, this codex he entrusts to Niccolo Polo, uh, in an attempt to spread the brotherhood's knowledge. Interesting. Yes. And this is what, uh, Niccolo Polo says about, he goes, Altair means us to spread the word of the assassin. That is his plan. He is entrusting the spirit of the brotherhood and he is passing the torch to us. 
So here is a point of, this is one of the first like historical people that we see in the assassins, at least from a game perspective, like in timeline is Nicola Polo joining, basically joining the assassins and furthering their cause. So what you're saying is most of the historical figures that we see are Templars or associated with the Templar order. Correct. Um, Instead of the assassins. Right. At least in the later games and the the later games that take place earlier, we start to see, you know, more of these bigger historical figures in the assassins. Like, you know, Socrates is part of Cassandra's group. Um, other people like that joining various influential moments with the assassins. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting, especially with the rumors of this next game coming out that's going to follow. Uh, we know it's going to follow Basm, which is a character from Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And we can see where what influential characters he uh, interacts with. Interesting. Where do they say the next game is going? I believe the Middle East again. But that's a rumor, right? That's, that's a rumor, yeah. That's not confirmed. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. So anyway, yeah. Anyway, back to the Mongol history. So he, so Altair entrusts the Codex to the Polos. Uh, unfortunately, the Polos don't really make it back home. Uh, they're ambushed uh, by the no- Mongols. And while they do survive this attack, the Mongols seize the Codex. And it is not really retrieved for the assassins until Marco Polo interacts with Kublai Khan and retrieves it, which is a long wow. Time. Yeah, that yeah. Yes. And so with the assassins seemingly out of the way, uh, the great Khan Monke turns his attention to China. Naturally. Yes, which has also has a fledgling assassin's brotherhood popping up Uh, and so one assassin whose name i could not find joins the chinese army as a general to help halt the mongol advance at dayo castle Um, and though he is killed during this battle his daughter who is also an assassin's assassin apprentice her name is zhang shi kills monke thus fracturing the mongol empire and due to not the best leadership following that, the Mongol Empire will eventually fade. It's a long time, but this kind of stops the conquest a little bit. It, it, it weakens them significantly. Yes. Um, they definitely Which lose a, a lot of steam. Yeah. And, and I mean... That that happens so easily in any movement. Like the loss of one leader is, you know, it, it can really like affect so many other things. Right. And like he's the destroyer of assassins. He destroyed Masyaf, uh, mm-hmm. breaking Altair's brotherhood. And he's this hero. And then he's taken down by the enemy they thought they destroyed. Right. It's very poetic in a way. Yes. 
And so I think now would be a good time for our break, unless you have any more thoughts about the Mongol Empire. No, I, d- I don't. Not right now. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll take our break and we'll come after the break. We'll come back and we'll kind of talk about why I think this is a big moment for the Assassin Templar history um, and the kind of legacy that it has on the present day and later Assassin Creed Brotherhood. All right. Let's go to the break. All right. Hi, I'm Fire Rider, and I'm the host of The Pixel People, a podcast dedicated to taking a close look at our favorite characters from our favorite video games, from major characters who define the course of a game's storyline to smaller characters who you might have never noticed. Every week, we go beyond the quest line to examine a particular character's story arc and choices and discover the real-world parallels and life lessons hidden just below the surface. I hope you'll join us. You can find the Pixel People on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. All right. Welcome back, everyone. <clears throat> so we normally would read a review if we had one, but we don't have one. So this is a great chance for me to talk about how much reviews and ratings help us. Since we are still a new show, you know, we only have a few episodes out right now. Um, Ratings and reviews really, really help tell new listeners or potential new listeners that, hey, this is a show that I like. This is a show that's good. This is a show um, that is done well. So if you enjoy our show at all, we would love, love, love love if you could take the time to leave us a review with words on apple or a rating with just the numbers out of five um, on spotify now it's important to also say that you can leave a review with words on apple even if you don't listen to the podcast on apple Um, all you have to do is just have an apple account and you can leave us a review there and we will read it out on the show if it's five stars so Austin, Teacup, is there anything else that we want to talk about during the break? Uh, yeah, definitely. And that is about our sort of rebranding that we're doing. Yes. Yeah. And so you might have noticed that we started the show a little differently today than our normal, you know, hey, Shelby, hey, Austin. And that's because we now have three podcasts that at least one of us is involved in. And so that's, you know, the Dragon Age lore cast, this uh, podcast, the Assassin's Creed lore cast. And I have started a third podcast uh, with the, my host, Ben of Tamaria, the Holocron Histories, which is a Star Wars podcast, uh, looking at legends and canon and different topics and how they differ or are similar to the legends material versus the canon material of Star Wars. And so with that, we decided to kind of rebrand a more all-encompassing thing about all of our podcasts and so we're now the cups podcasting and more is our name of our discord server so you can join that and there are sections for assassin's creed there are sections for the star wars there's obviously sections for dragon age and so that yeah and so that's why we kind of started the show different kind of emphasizing you know i'm teacup and she's she cup Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, you know, we have all kinds of different things we talk about in the discord. Like we have channels for other games that, you know, aren't things we host. Um, we've got just general channels where we talk about anything and everything like 
sometimes not even to do with games. And of course, we have a classic pets and memes channel where you can come see pictures of our uh, sweet dog. So, you know, the Discord server is kind of all encompassing. We don't just talk about one thing there and all of you are welcome to join us. Yeah. All right, Austin, let's get back to the show. All right. Hello, gentle listener. Every Friday, be sure to tune in. What the hell are you doing, Ampersand? (laughs) Hi, Charlie. I'm sorry I broke in. I thought I was the only one to talk to myself. Well, I'm letting everyone know about the Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit. It's a 5e live play podcast. Join us every week. Where do we find it, you old crusty coot? Uh, anywhere you can get all your podcasts. Woo-hoo! You'll find it every Friday, you stupid cat! <laughs> so, Shelby, or She Cup, sorry, we just talked about that. Um, <laughs> That's okay. The Mongol conflict is a huge changing point for the assassins. And in his kind of codex, this is what Altair has to say about it. Our tactics too must change. It means an end to our fortress. We must weave our webs quietly and we must do so differently than we have in the past. And I think that this is a point of kind of realizing that the assassins had kind of strayed away from the purpose of what the hidden ones were mm-hmm. in that in that they are now like this established organization with like a fortress headquarters and they're like a known organization to the world and it obviously ends up to making them an easy target for their enemies yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think it's really interesting that um, he's aware of this at that time in history because, like, his time in history is very much an era of change. And there are a lot of people at that time who are very, very, very much opposed to any kind of change at all. And there are there are those who very much want to usher in as many changes as possible. And so... To me, it's interesting that he would um, want to be on the side of change and the side of evolution because it totally fits in my mind with like who the Assassins and Templars are. Like when I picture the Assassins and Templars, like in that era, I think of Templars are, okay, they're the ones that are opposed to change. They're the ones that want everything to stay the way it is. They're the ones who want to uphold the status quo. Like they're the ones that are excommunicating Galileo, right? And the assassins are the ones that are promoting more of the change in history and in society. So I think that 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 codex entry is pretty interesting when I think about it in those terms. Yes. And I think that it shows a moment of Altair's commitment to the cause and his commitment to a point of if we have to do this differently, we have to do it differently. But our cause, our mission is too important to not to die to rigid um, rigidness. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. 
And so, you know, and this pays off because he sends the codex with the polos and this leads to a spread of the assassin beliefs. I mean, their help in Mongolia leads to an establishment of a Mongolian brotherhood and then to the establishment of a Chinese brotherhood, which eventually stops the Mongols advance. And there we can talk, we're going to talk about uh, China in another episode because they have a whole history of their own Templar order with other assassins. And, but I mean, eventually there are assassins and there is an assassin that helps that. And that brotherhood is founded because of the efforts of Altair and the Mongol uh, empire. And so this also leads to the Polos go back to kind of near Italy and they found the Italian brotherhood, which leads to, you know, eventually Ezio Auditori becoming an assassin and taking down one of the strongest Templar families in all of existence, which is the Borgia. And then we well, you know, and then it leads also then to the founding of the French Brotherhood, which then leads to the destruction of the Knights Templar as an order, which we talked about in our Templar and Assassin episode, when they influenced the Pope and the King to completely wipe out the Knights Templar. And so in either indirectly or directly, the Mongol conflict is a turning point that eventually leads to both organizations deciding the public face is not for us. And that's a big, I mean, that's a big development. Mm -hmm. At least for the assassins, it's very much a return um, to their roots, like you said earlier. Yes. Well, and the, and for the Templars too, back to the Order of Ancients. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Because the Order of Ancients is very much operate in plain, hide in plain sight, you know, have power, wield power but don't let anyone know who you actually work for. So yeah. So the last thing I want to talk to you before we kind of wrap up is that just where you experience these moments in game. So in Assassin, most of the Mongol conflict that you can experience in game comes from Assassin's Creed Revelations. And you kind of get this like reflective view from Altair. Uh, you do one mission where you play as Altair, where he's coming back from the Mongol conflict of killing Genghis Khan to Masyaf. Um, and that is a whole other thing that happens in... There's a coup that attempts to happen against Altair when he comes back. It's a big ordeal. Um, and so in that also, you also experience the fall of Masyaf from Altair's perspective in Assassin's Creed Revelation. And then obviously, the famous Codex, Altair's Codex, Ezio refines and restores the Codex, and with the help of Leonardo da Vinci, builds many of the designs within which were, are, were discovered and documented by Altair. Uh, and then obviously, as we said earlier, a statue of Kulan Gaul is found in the Villa de Auditori in Assassin's Creed 2. Lots of um, experiences in the game. I haven't experienced all this yet, but um, when you first told me that this was going to be our topic for the day, I was like, okay, that seems kind of not necessarily minor, but like not forefront in the games. But like there's this 
I mean, it's not a main quest or anything, but like it's it's clear that it's there over multiple games. Um, so I, I was a little bit surprised by that, honestly. And it kind of makes sense, especially since the Assassins and Templars are both, you know, inherently North African, Middle Eastern organizations. Uh, that's where their roots are. That's where their, fa- their foundings happen. The Hidden Ones are founded in Egypt. The Order of Ancients are founded in kind of in Persia is really where we see them first. Um, and so it makes sense that, you know, after the Third Crusade, that there obviously the Mongols are going to become more of an attention because they're the next threat that is like their neighbor. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, do we have any more, um, anything else to talk about? Any fun hypotheses or fan theories or anything? Um, no, not off the top of my head, at least. All right. Well, if we don't have anything left to talk about, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at Assassin's Creed Lorecast, or you could talk to us on Discord in the Robots Radio Discord or our personal Discord server. Both links found in this episode's descriptions. Thank you for listening, and always stay to the shadows to serve the light, Assassins. Do you love Dragon Age? Have you always wanted to learn more about its vast world and detailed lore? Are you still attached to your hero of Ferelden, even a decade after Dragon Age Origins came out? Or maybe you're a newer fan, still discovering a new tidbit or quest every day. Well, either way, the Dragon Age lore cast is the podcast for you. I'm Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm Shelby, also known as SheCup. And come and join us as we embark on a journey to explore and discover all things Dragon Age. We'll discuss all kinds of topics, from Lyrium to the Chantry and the great mysteries of the old gods, and even more that even you Bioware superfans might not know about. So come and listen on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And always remember, swooping.